Introducing ADT Self Setup, featuring everything from motion sensors to Google Nest Cams. It can be easily installed at your convenience and adapts as your needs change. You can add more products at any time and your system easily moves wherever life takes you. Plus, when every second counts, you can trust ADT's 24-7 professional monitoring. When the most trusted name in home security adds the intelligence of Google, you've got a home with no worries. Go to ADT.com today or call 1-800-ADT-ASAP. Let's get down for eSports! <laughs> Hello and welcome back to Nerf This, the esports show that apparently has a secret that we're not allowed to share. I'm your host, Brian Huff, <laughs> and I'm joined, as I always am, by the person that I swear this secret is not about, Seven. Hello, sir. Uh, yeah, I wasn't expecting that. Well, that was actually a pretty good uh, intro, being that I just said, hey, don't mention that thing. <laughs> and you're like, okay, I won't. And then you do. Thanks. Thanks a lot. This is not one of those things we heard at an IHOP, though. This is like an official secret that we're not allowed to share. <laughs> Correct. Yes. Yes. In fact, this entire show is just going to be things we're not actually allowed to talk about, so it's going to get really boring really quickly. It's like the very, very vague show. Yes. We'll talk about the guy with the hair doing the thing. He does on that the thing. stage. Yep. About that game. <laughs> it's a great game. Yep. By the way, there's been this show. hilarious thing. This is just like a random aside, but Richard Lewis is taken to calling Overwatch baby's first esport, and it, I just crack up every time <laughs> I read it on Twitter. <laughs> Oh, man. I don't agree, man. but it just makes me laugh every time he says it, because I picture him saying it in his very British way of saying things, and it's... <sighs> just you mean just condescending? Yeah, well, I was trying <laughs> to not say that, but yes. we're not. That's a secret. He, people don't know that he's condescending. We will get to the Overwatch League stuff, but I want to start with this bully hunter scenario, because this has been dominating the esports news cycle for the past week or so. So for those of you that are not in the know, bully hunters... Essentially, Turn is this organization that was created by an agency, FCB, I believe is the name of the agency, and they've created this initiative slash app slash marketing campaign. And what the app was supposed to do was give you access to this group of bully hunters. So if somebody came and bullied you in a game, and this is primarily geared towards women gamers, that they could go to the app and request basically someone to Bully them back is the best way that I could describe it, which is just like okay. how every good non-bully campaign wins is by bullying the bullies. Like that is the solution to all our problems. So, this, spoiler this, alert: this already re this already reminds me of those like uh, those campaigns. Like, uh, what was it about? Like taking drugs or smoking that they were aiming towards kids is like. I'm not a chicken. You're a turkey. Like yes, the yes. response back. Like already. <laughs> I, once this came out, I was like. It, and I think you were talking about in Discord. I was like, what is going on? And then that was the first thing that pops into my head. It was just oh, wow. it's such a... So surprise, surprise, this didn't work. And in fact, I think when it was first announced and I shared it, I was like, what's the over-under on how quickly this thing implodes? Well, it turns out it took about 72 hours before this thing imploded. So the starting point of this fun implosion was a particular streamer. So this was supposed to be a team of women that was like the faces of this particular initiative. And Zombie Unicorn... <laughs> 
who was the Twitch streamer that was supposed to be in charge of this. Her real name is Natalie Casanova. And shocker, it took the community all of five minutes to do some digging and find a bunch of old Twitch clips of her using homophobic slurs and tweets of her calling people bitch, among many, many other choice words. And it just kind of all unraveled from there. Um, It was basically like a thinly veiled marketing campaign for a variety of sponsors. So, for example, like Steel Series was involved and there was like a set of headphones with like the female logo on it you know the like circle with the cross thing and so it just got it's got conflated into this like giant disaster there's all these pieces of it so you've got this piece where like you have this public facing person that has clearly had a, a past of doing a lot of the behaviors that she's now setting out to promote that we don't do and so she placed a lot of blame on fcb the agency for you know basically messing things up and for not having the right interests in mind while simultaneously defending herself against all these accusations. You have this these accusations against these individual companies for trying to profit off this bully hunter initiative. And then you have the general concern of like why are we challenging bullying with bullying? And uh. Over the course of 72 hours, these three threads played out. Richard Lewis did a lot of his investigative reporting and went out and got statements. And everybody basically just tried to point their finger at everybody else. Like I said, Casanova blames FCB for a poor rollout. FCB basically blamed everybody else in a statement by saying that they recognize that the effort did not live up to our high standards and we have decided to end this program but we hope the conversation it has raised around ending harassment in gaming continues basically just saying everybody else screwed up so therefore we're not moving on with it and of course all the sponsors just said we had no idea what we were signing up for other than it was supposed to be good for gaming and we've once again taken a sensitive topic that we should address turn it into an esports marketing shit show and now all anyone's going to remember is how Bully Hunters was this horrible initiative and will just not solve the real problem. So what you're trying to say is that Bully Hunters is baby's first Gamergate. Yes, yes. <laughs> this is this is essentially exactly what is going on here. <laughs> so I did see a little bit of the, uh, I guess, the call out Casanova for using homophobic slurs. I saw like a clip of that. Somebody had, had, had tweeted. I wasn't sure because it was addressed towards Steel Series, I believe. Yes, because they, Steel Series combinations were there. bore the brunt of the like sponsorship backlash. Ouch. Okay. Okay. Yeah. A ton of travel this week kind of threw me off in terms of following that. I was just kind of catching bits and pieces and, uh, wow. Wow. And you were, you were talking that there was a couple of people, I think you said like VPE sports was it Kevin hit was also kind of following it a little bit. Yep. Yep. There was, there was a two part expose that VPE sports did. So there's a lot of things for you to go out there and read into. If you go to Richard Lewis reports or our you can check out a lot of the info that he put up about it, which has statements from people like steel series and FCB as far as how they believe it went. Um, there's a nice little expose two part of that seven mentioned on VPE sports by Kevin hit that kind of covers like exactly what happened here. If you want like the timeline of details, but essentially you are, you know, once again, have this scenario where like shitty things happen in esports. We have this core problem, but the, the core mission, ignoring all the implementation problems of this is still sound, which is that there are plenty of women out there that don't feel like gaming is a safe space for them and when they go on and game and people find out they're women they tend to get harassed far more than men do and they have to deal with a lot of you know this type of harsh language that is directed towards them and this was just 
how someone didn't look at this and know that this was a right. bad solution is beyond me. And the cynic in me probably says this has a lot to do with these personalities, you know, Casanova in particular, like if I'm going to be frank, was looking for attention and something to attach themselves to. And only in retrospect does it seem like a bad decision in her mind, I would imagine. And that's the problem with things like this. Like when you're attaching marketing and promotion and sponsorship right, right. to something like this, you've already <laughs> tainted the pool. You've already yeah. made it to not be successful. And we can argue until we're blue in the face, as we have on this show, about how much of people's past they should be held accountable for and at what point we can forgive people because this is yet another one of those cases where somebody's dug like six years in the past and found horrible things. But if you are running an initiative like this, you should know the people that you are working with are going to be under intense scrutiny by the community because this is what the community does. And you should do your due diligence ahead of time. Just like if you're going to be involved in something like this, you should also scrub your... Twitter feeds and things of that nature and be honest with yourself have I dropped words like this in a place where people have recorded it and these aren't like exposés right this is not like Richard Lewis hiding in the bushes with a recorder and catching you at the IHOP talking shit like this is you're on a stream you're dropping homophobic slurs on the regular on a stream people are going to find that shit yeah yeah it's Again, the, me laughing is just about how this kind of all panned out in terms of the, attaching the marketing to it and attaching like all the branding and, and kind of hyping up certain individuals to be like the, the poster people for it uh, or the front faces of it. And then again, not doing the work, but then just kind of like piecing out and just kind of like folding back into the bushes like a creeper or something like that. When it, like everybody comes la- latching onto you being like, why are you doing this? This is an awful way of implementing it. And again, whenever we, whenever people jump into that kind of um, social justice kind of realm, they're under almost more scrutiny than the people that in which they're attacking uh, and or um, trying to confront. And so it, it's tough because the, even people within those genres or who are also trying to, con, you know, like go against bullying or uh, just gaming cultures in, in certain areas and how they're treating women uh, are also going to judge the people like FCB who, who are doing this. And so you, you've got to not only battle the people um, that you're trying to deal with or the, the community you're trying to deal with, you're also dealing with people again, doing the same thing and they'll just, just as easily try to tear you down. It's, it's a weird space and it sucks that there's like competition to do something good. Uh, but yeah, this was just a wrong way of going about it from the get go. And especially when, you know, you're getting uh, hardware makers involved and not actual gaming companies. I think the way if they had got more gaming companies involved and they worked with them in a certain way and again, not chose to bully them back. Um, but it was a way of kind of like reporting them and pu- maybe even publicizing because some of the best things I've seen uh, was actually uh, by arena back in the day for guild wars two. Uh, they did entire band wave. And so across Reddit, a bunch of people on Reddit were like, I got banned for no reason, blah, 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 blah. I shouldn't have been banned, blah, 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 blah. And so what would happen is they actually had someone there from arena net in the Reddit thread and said, sure, let me know your, your login name. And I will explain to you why you were banned. And so what would happen is people would be like, there's this front wave of people like I was banned wrong, wrongly, blah, 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 blah. And they would give their names and then they would get the response, the exact thing that they said in chat, like the, the, the malicious bullshit tirade that they would go on in in chat and just say horrible things. And they would throw it into the Reddit thread. Like, this is why you're banned for saying this. And so the first wave of like 20 people were like, I was banned wrongly. And then they got publicly exposed for 
the awful things that they were saying and then nobody responded back as to getting banned because they're like yeah i don't want i don't want what the reasons why i got banned to be publicly known (laughs) but it was just an interesting way of doing it and because it brought forth the fact of like here's why we're doing it here's what people were saying and you are just yeah peace out later that's a good idea but they didn't like go and like hunt them down take their lunch money (laughs) you know bullying them back wasn't uh, wasn't the thing it was just letting people know what they were saying and that was enough to stop holding so much of it yeah holding someone publicly accountable like the anonymity of these games and this doesn't stop everybody because there's per- there's plenty of like non-anonymous trolling that happens but there is a large portion of this trolling that has happened by some like 15 year old to 18 year old kid in their mom's basement that is like doing it because no one's going to know it's them and then when it's them it makes it very real and embarrasses them like there are a good portion of these people not everybody but a good portion of these people are embarrassed by their actions if people were to find out that they were doing it but they're doing the same thing it makes them cool in the gaming community but when you do things so like i'm looking at this awesome picture um the steel series bully hunter special edition headphones oh my gosh proceeds will go to organizations who support victims of in-game harassment so we've got that kind of stuff attached to this which is is troubling Question though, so is, are there actual companies which deal with that? Like, I, I don't, I honestly don't know. That was going to be um, my next question, actually, right? because when I read that, I'm like, great, what organizations? Yeah, because I'm not I'm aware like, of any. I mean, sure, it's not that I don't think they exist. I'm just like, right. like, what are they, and why aren't you just doing this with them? I mean, I know, I know of some uh, additional groups out there that deal with like depression. Uh, there's some stuff like it with able gamers. There's also some stuff with, um, you know, and like the trans LGBTQ uh, communities and stuff as well. But I don't know ones that are specifically geared towards harassment, like bully hunters was targeting. Right. Uh, unless the money was going to bully hunters <laughs> themselves. <laughs> well, that's what uh, they meant. Organizations that are maybe. like that's like creating like your version of the Red Cross to sell things that will then donate money to the Red Cross. Why just not work with the Red Cross? <laughs> All proceeds are donated to Red Cross. Wait, you are Red Cross? <laughs> yeah. So I, that that was kind of my question. I, I wish they would have note, noted, like, you know, when you go on a Humble Bundle and you go to buy something and the proceeds go to a specific charity, that charity is listed. Yep. yep. Here, however, uh, they did not Which, list that. And when you leave blanks, people fill them in right. <laughs> with whatever the yeah. hell they feel like. And this got worse because there was also a lot of pseudoscience being thrown around. Uh, claims of very large, I don't have the number right in front of me, but there was a, a pretty wild claim as to the number of women that experience a certain level of in-game harassment. And it was in the millions and they had done that by extrapolating out this very non-scientific study that was based on an online survey of about 800 people. So they just applied the percentage of those 800 people from that non-scientific online poll and extrapolated that out over some random number that they supposedly represented the number of female gamers. And that's where they right, came up with like the millions. Another thing that did pop up that I, I saw was, uh, again, that some of the stuff that the real footage of people getting harassed in game was actually faked. So it wasn't, it was like they kind of did the uh, uh, reenactment stuff. Yes, for yeah, it. it was like a fake scenario. Yeah. Yeah. And so that always ends up being kind of a cringe fest sometimes. And so it, when you're not providing good examples of what you're going, uh, you're attempting to do with your organization from a social I don't say social justice, but just from making social change uh, and you can't give it a good example of what you're doing. Well, I understand what they're doing, 
but they just went about it in a cringe fest kind of way. And that becomes, uh, again, you're just opening yourself up to more scrutiny and, or, um, I don't know, comedic replies in some way, shape or form. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. So especially, you're especially when you're, are a, <laughs> I'm rubbing your glue, whatever you say, bounces off me and sticks to you. Oh man. It's it, if there's a so allegedly this number was three million women that were harassed in gaming according to this interesting extrapolation of the original quote unquote study that they did. You could have thought in those three million women you could find a real scenario to play out or maybe interview women who had been deeply impacted by this. And I get there's there's problems there as well exposing the victims to scrutiny, but. Right. That that might have gone further than what you did, which was just basically set any initiative. So anybody that has any plans to make a meaningful solution to this problem in a public way is now been set back because they're going to get extra scrutiny from people and extra pessimism about the success of it because of this bully hunters BS. And like, that's the biggest problem that I have with this. And there's other stupid shit that comes out of this. Like my favorite, my favorite quote from, from uh, the unicorn, the zombie unicorn is that she used the um, homophobic slur because her and her boyfriend at the time used it as a pet name. I'm like, wait, I'm like, I'm no. sorry. Yeah, I'm I like, wait, wait. That's not the case. <laughs> and I don't even care. Like, really? Is that what you, yeah, because you know, like, me and my lady, we just like go around and call each other like, hey, asshole, how's it going? Like, that's just our pet name. Like, oh, Jesus. I just, this, I, is, this is bad. Like, I mean, I even watched that clip. I, wasn't she being like stream sniped or something, worried about a certain group of people? Like, it yes. was clearly addressed to a group of uh, opponents or people she was playing against. In a uh, negative manner. Like, in a negative manner. An attack. <laughs> Yeah, so unless her, her boyfriend was the entire squad on the other side, <laughs> well. which we also may have to question other things there. Um, uh, yeah, no, I'm so wow, not even not even close. She needs to go to uh, what's that? What's that one YouTuber? Jake Paul's well, <laughs> school of apologizing. <laughs> it's Jake Paul's school of apology right there. That's uh, that's some good stuff. Ooh, yep. yeah, there we go. So that's Bully Hunters uh, again. Like we'll put those links that I mentioned earlier in the show notes if you want to check out some more in depth reporting on it. But the the long and the short of it is is social justice shit show, and here we are. <laughs> We have made no progress on the women feeling unwelcome in gaming. Thanks. So glad we did that. But if you can get your hands on those awesome limited edition Bully Hunter Steel Series headphones, they're probably worth nothing. But you can say that you own a piece of history. Maybe you can get uh, Zombie Unicorn mm. to sign them with her pet name. On- oh, nice. Yeah. There you go. Just get some, sum the whole scenario up for you in a pair of headphones. Anyway, moving on to more positive things, we haven't talked about NBA 2K E-League in a while. You and I obviously talked about it when it was first announced, and there's been some some slow goings on, but in the last couple of weeks, things have really accelerated, primarily driven by the draft that was held. And I don't know if you got a chance to watch this draft, but it was to the point where Adam Silver, who is the um, commissioner of the NBA currently, actually announced the first pick and it was on television, and it was really well done, and it was not anywhere near as cringy as I expected it to be. I was actually kind of impressed with the amount of effort that the NBA has been putting into this. Now, I know you have some sources that say that maybe the same thing is not happening on the EA side, but at least as far as the NBA is concerned, we have given leagues, whether it be NHL, MLS, NBA, some flack for trying to jump on the esports bandwagon. But the NBA is really putting some effort in here. Yeah, that's actually good to have them at least 
uh, more involved and helping kind of amp up the production of things. Yeah, from my end, I, I did hear from a source that EA is a little bit behind on the actual implementation of the – or not EA, but uh, sorry. Uh, I, can't, I don't know why I said EA. It's actually uh, – it's a 2K. 2K. But 2K is actually a little bit behind. EA is probably behind too. Let's just be honest. They're probably <laughs> building loot boxes. Well, well to be uh, fair, so, their basketball games suck so bad yeah. they had to cancel <clears throat> Yeah, anyways, <laughs> they're really behind. Uh, so 2K is behind because they actually had to create a, largely a, an entire mode, right? Because they're looking at putting players' faces into this. Uh, so they essentially had to build a variant of their game uh, where things like EMLS uh, have progressed a little bit further because they have not. But again, it's it's cool to see that NBA is is taking uh, some some lead on this. They're uh, you know putting some production money behind it, trying to make it seem legit. Uh, I think they also had some stuff going on at PAX. I didn't get a chance to watch any of that, but I did watch some of the EMLS stuff. Uh, and so it's it's good. I, I can't. Uh, I mean, there, there was definitely ways in which they could have kind of stepped back and kind of let it do its own thing and become something kind of laughable. Um, but it hasn't, and that's good. I mean, more esports and more involvement in it, especially if we're looking at like NBA teams, uh, MLS, even some of the European leagues. Uh, you, as long as they're doing it right, there's nothing to complain about. No, for sure. And they've recently also signed a multi-year broadcasting rights deal with Twitch. Uh, this will kick off on May 1st. 17 teams will be competing in 199 broadcasted games on Twitch. So, yeah. now, pretty, I, pretty sizable deal. For sure. Now, I don't get super excited anymore when, when somebody signs a broadcast deal and then the sentence is finished with Twitch because it's just kind of a foregone conclusion that Twitch is just going to get the rights. They're throwing that Amazon money around every which way. Somebody comes up with a broadcast deal that does not involve Facebook, YouTube, or Twitch, I'll get excited. But to be fair, yeah, but, they're putting the, but in the effort. Actually- but there's actually additional things within this agreement. Uh, Twitch was actually going to add some extensions and stuff so that people could interact with the stream yep. uh, through that. And they were handling a lot of the actual broadcast uh, rights and just, well, the broadcast in general, which is kind of normal for Twitch and some of their exclusivity deals. I think that was what we saw with, was it Vainglory, I think, originally, was they were handling the broadcast stuff. It was a little shaky then. <laughs> that was like two years ago. Yes, but that it's was their better. deal was like to basically be the production company right. for Super Evil. Yeah. Yeah, but I think they're actually doing the same thing here with 2K League. Um, but they were adding in a bunch of different like overlays, ways to to mouse over things and get information, much like you see with like the Hearthstone Innkeeper streams or anything like that. Which I think they even mentioned like the Hearthstone Innkeeper stuff is like the most highly interacted with extension that they have on Twitch. Uh, and so NBA uh, 2K League is wanting to get something similar to that so they can kind of pop up uh, you know stats and see what's going on, which is really cool. It's a, it's a good idea. Um, I'd love to see more of that stuff kind of coming to Overwatch within Twitch, and I'm sure we'll get there. But right now, they're just, you know, throwing jerseys at us. No, but I'm glad that they're starting to do more of this. Like, we'll talk a bit about this when we get to Overwatch League, but, like, Twitch is finally starting to bring to fruition a lot more of this interactivity and things that make Twitch as a platform far more interesting from a broadcast standpoint than we would ever get from some TV deal. This ability, and I'm not just talking about in-game loot, like in-game loot is awesome, I'm not going to complain, but this interactivity along the lines of what we've seen with that Hearthstone extension, which is one of the coolest things that I think Twitch has done for their streams in a very long time. Mm -hmm. Like, more of that type of interactivity is something TV will never be able to do. And at the rate that um, Riot is going with the BAM deal, we'll never see from them either. So it's it's overall, like, I think really well. And to give you uh, some perspective here that I think is interesting... There was a lot of uproar recently because it came like people just made this realization that 
G League players. So these are the people that are in the G League is the uh, minor league system, essentially, for the NBA. Those players, until a very recent salary increase, were making less money a year than the salaries that the NBA and 2K are paying oh, out to E-League players. Yeah. Oh, I did not hear about this. Yes. Oh, that's now, rough. Now, there's some things to keep in mind here because, A, there's a lot of performance bonuses available to G-League stars that are not available to esports players obviously the dream of a g-league star making it onto an nba team there's no like upward path for an e-league esports player and we're talking about there's a lot of perks and stuff for g-league folks as well there's um college education that is part of that there is um housing that is part of that and it's only over the course of a five-month season for g-league so it's a little bit sensationalist but when you look at it in the end like it was still kind of crazy to think that this professional athlete that is one step, arguably one step removed from the NBA, making as much money as this like inaugural, somewhat mishmashed, thrown together 2K E League thing pays a little bit more. Yeah, that is uh, that's kind of a slap in the face. I mean, it, it, it's wonder if you look at the, what some of the EMLS people are being paid and some of the lower MLS. I know MLS has come up in, in recent years. Uh, but man, remember they were like making like lower than even, uh, wasn't there a comparison between like Overwatch League and like MLS players at one point in time or yes. something like that yeah. back in the day? Well, an MLS in general has been really poor at playing their, you know, subpar right. players for a very long time. <laughs> But yeah, up until recently, the uh, minimum contract was either twenty six thousand or nineteen thousand, depending on. Wow. Yeah, depending mm-hmm. on the level of the player in the season that we're talking to, and it's, it's still seven k a month for a five month season. And I know there's plenty of people right now listening that would kill to be making seven k a month. So it's not the end of the world for the G League okay. players, to be clear. That's true. <laughs> but. In the end, it still kind of shows you where the NBA feels like 2K E-League fits into their portfolio. And they have very much said that they view this as like another piece of that four-piece puzzle, right? You have the NBA, you have the WNBA, you have the G-League, and now you have 2K E-League. And they very much see all four of those as key parts of their structure going forward, which is telling. Now, we'll see once they've gotten a couple seasons under their belts, because... It's easy to say that now why the money's flush and you have 2K throwing money into it and esports is like ripe and hype. But let's see where we're at in a couple of years when the <laughs> hype has died down a little bit. And now you're still paying those those people 35K a year to play a basketball video game. Right. And, you know, it'd be interesting to see if they do something along the lines of EMLS where they kind of force you to at least play with a player from that team on there. I know with uh, NBA 2K, like it's, it's five on five kind of thing or, yep. uh, well, it's players on players. Uh, but it'd be kind of cool if you had some like automated players that had to be there. One had to be from like the WNBA. One had to be from G League. When, like so, the actual people you're playing with, the the, the NPCs essentially, uh, are the computer players are all from actual leagues. That'd be kind of cool, uh, like a variant of the actual league. Like that's like a show match or something. Uh, probably won't happen. Let's be honest. But still, kind of fun. It helps to tie it back to the quote unquote core product, though, right? Like, right. Well, that's what the the EML, EMLS stuff was. Is you know, you you could build out your normal team like you would any kind of foot team, uh, and then you end up going to, uh, but you have to like have a certain amount of your core team players on the pitch at any given time, which I thought was really a good way of keeping with the normal FIFA competitiveness of it, but also kind of shoehorning in the E the MLS factor to it. Right. Right. And because that was one of our questions like, well, man, if you end up getting like a certain MLS team versus a, another certain MLS team, like how is this different than watching a normal game and, or 
you know, certain people are kind of screwed no matter how good you are because you just have a, a worse roster. Yeah, you, you, you got case, drafted to, like, some crappy right. team. Right, right. And so, again, it's uh, how that was done, and I, and I kind of transitioned into this, but I actually watched a couple of matches. It was very, very entertaining, I mean, largely because I like FIFA. Uh, it, it was just uh, entertaining to watch. There was a lot. I mean, just it, it just really like watching a, a normal soccer slash football match. Uh, and I think I think it has legs. I think it will work very very well uh, from an esports standpoint. It's very um, uh, far along, a lot further along than we originally anticipated because they haven't changed a ton of rules, but just implement I guess the the, the player restrictions that you have to have, and that's about it. Which is the the only real variant from normal competitive uh, EA FIFA you know esports. Yeah, so I have a couple questions here because this, so one. I was a little surprised when you mentioned this because they didn't do a very good job leading into it, promoting it. I just felt like we knew EMLS was a thing. You're like, hey, I got some emails about EMLS. It's like, oh, cool. They're going to give us more details. And then while you're there, I'm like looking on Twitter and I'm like, oh, this is like the finals. (laughs) What the like? What the hell is going on? Like, did they have a good turnout? Did people show up? Like, I'm a little confused about the strategy there. So the, the the stage for that was actually at the PAX Arena, which was right next to the Geico Arena, which is where I was doing some of the Hearthstone stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, so in between matches, I was just going over and sitting and watching it, and it was fairly full. Um, they did a couple other things. They did, like, uh, some of the F1 racing, I think, which was actually sponsored by Castrol, which is, again, like kind of a cool sponsor, I guess you could say, uh, endemic to actual racing, but not necessarily into esports, but it's a neat, neat crossover there. Uh, unlike what Geico and uh, you know Hearthstone, <laughs> that, that, that poor that Geico out. Hearthstone booth they have at every single PAX. It's actually it's getting, it's kind of crazy, but yeah, uh, it was packed the entire time. They actually need a much larger setup. Um, but that aside, they they had a couple different um, uh, EMLS. They had some NBA 2K. They had some F1 racing stuff, uh, and the uh, the FIFA matches were were had good turnouts. It wasn't completely full, but I'd say it was probably like 75, 80% full. It was, uh, it was, it was pretty well attended and, um, it was crowd was into it. It was really, really cool to watch. It was, it was cool to watch people popping off too, which you don't get to see in some other esports, Right. Uh, like Hearthstone, evidently you're not allowed to. I didn't, I found out that like even a fist pump is sometimes frowned upon. Did, did you fist <laughs> pump and get, you get like a violation? Someone like give you a yellow no, card No, no, I something? was actually talking to uh, Dr. Jiganiki and I guess he was at one tournament. It might've been like ACT tour stop and he like just got a good top deck and won a game. It was just like, it's mildly celebrating with like a fist pump and evidently got somewhat reprimanded or told it like, Hey, Hey, that's unsportsmanlike. <laughs> Tone down the excitement here, yeah. son. This is Hearthstone. Yeah, what do you think this is? Golf? Come on. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. No, because then he would have just ran down and like dislocated his ankle and had to pop it back in place. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I saw that too. Uh, but no, it was cool because they, they were popping up, but there was very much a, a sportsmanship to it. Like, same way you'd see in Smash, you know, getting up, like giving the other player a good handshake, hug, whatever. Um, but in terms of, it wasn't like a, uh, like call of duty kind of thing where you're shouting over at someone and then because <laughs> hitting them over the head with a steel chair, going all WWE on them. Yeah. Going full bully hunters on them. That's it. <laughs> Popped out your limited edition headphones and just drop some knowledge. <laughs> Throw them at them. Uh, there we go. Uh, but yeah, no, it was, it was cool. Uh, I was actually pleasantly surprised at how far, I don't say how far along they were, but I don't know why I was surprised that watching a FIFA game would actually be entertaining, but it was. Uh, they didn't they, they didn't mess with the format so much that you're it's really any different than a normal 
just FIFA Esports was because it was already successful, maybe not so much in North America, but it is in, in Europe and, and elsewhere. Yeah, there are a good amount. Of the most prominent one that pops to my mind is uh, what's hashtag United, which was started by a uh, popular FIFA and soccer uh, YouTube streamer in the UK that has players that compete in FIFA quite regularly over in Europe. So it is it has become a big thing. I, I think in a world where we're wrong, and you and I are wrong a lot when it comes to esports, like yeah. there is a version. World, right? <laughs> I know. <laughs> in a world like the one we're currently in, um, in which we are wrong all the time. I do think there is potentially a a situation at the end of this like esports hype cycle when things start to settle down to how they're probably going to be that like some of these you know traditional sports based esports are actually in a pretty good spot right because if they're viewed as this marketing tool this way to reach out to younger fans for these particular you know sports and they are managed well and financed by the leagues that run them they may be one of the ones to see the most growth and the and the most sustainability out of all of this because they are a little bit shielded from like the winds of change when it comes to some of these games, right? Like, yes, some of these games like Counter Strike, for example, and League and Dota, like have very long standing traditions and have been around for a long time. But eventually, like things come, like Overwatch come along, and we've talked about this in the past, like how older games can struggle to continue to maintain an audience. But if you look at sales numbers for FIFA in particular, but Madden is another one as well, that that is almost always in the top of the sales charts every single year when it comes to console right. game sales. And that alone could be enough to sustain these as esports attached to leagues. And that may be the future of esports or a good portion of the future of esports once we get out of this like hype cycle that we're in. Yeah, and I think part of that is also the ability for anybody to kind of hop in and understand what's going on, right? It's not like with Overwatch where you're trying to figure out the the best camera angle from the observers and how to switch between that and how to follow the action. Things like FIFA, well, we've we've seen this kind of set up before. Uh, it's exactly like watching it on TV because they're they're taking tropes from actual television and they're just porting it over to a game. So the the viewing experience is already kind of determined in there and so you can be sitting in a bar uh, with sound off and understand essentially what's going on you can follow the game um, you don't necessarily need an announcer to tell you why all these colors are flashing and who which team is which uh, and so i think those things translate to a much wider audience because because well obviously there are more people not watching esports than currently are and so the whole goal is to get that portion of the population to start watching and being able to pull something in, like, again, it's why Rocket League does very, very well. It's very much the same thing as, like, a soccer match. Uh, and they have a lot of their camera angles already down. It's super easy to follow. And, and so those things will bring in a larger audience. And so I know we've, we've kind of harped on some, like, the EMLS and, and NBA 2K League because just how they've they, they kind of jumped into things and, and yep. maybe how maybe they could have easily – gone down the route of like we're just doing this for money or to fill seats in an arena during an off season and if they're legitimately about it and they understand that it's a full own it's its own product it's just kind of following a brand and, and don't change it too much i think nba 2k is maybe changed it too much and that's why they're a little bit behind yeah but emls they haven't they've just gone with what works made a minor tweak to like a rule set uh, and then unleashed people, and then which is why you're like, wait, we're already in the semis. I'm like, yeah, it actually went pretty quick. I didn't even know it was a thing yet. Yeah, but I mean, if you think about it, you know, you pick up a certain team, you can still have Zlatan as one of your people. Like, you we have got, to have like, Zlatan. Who does not want more yeah. Zlatan? Right, right. 
Uh, and so I, I think it's 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 cool because the, you know you're playing with recognizable players in that aspect. You still get people who are from your team on the pitch. Uh, where NBA 2K, you still yeah you're, you're probably rooting for the team based off of the fact you might root for the NBA team. And so right, but not you're not. So but it's not player based. Player exactly. Like you're, it's not. I'm a Cavs fan. Yeah, and I know I'm not going to see LeBron, but this guy, and they're selling it. To to be fair, the NBA is selling it like this. These people that have been drafted are extensions of these teams' rosters. That's what the that's the pitch they're trying to make. These players are Cavs players. They're not LeBron and Kevin Love, but you know Joe, whatever his name is, that got drafted by the Cavs in the E League draft is a Cavaliers player, and that's the pitch they're trying to make right, right. and selling the um, you know the absence, therefore, of these superstars from the game itself. Yeah, and, and I get that. It's just a different way of going about it, but it's it's uh, uh, more of a departure than a EMLS is from actual yep. FIFA or the game itself. So two, two different ways of going about it. Both look to be fairly successful so far, and I can't hate on that. Can't. Yeah. No, we'll we'll find a way, but we can't right now. Yeah, we, we'll come back later and say time. we were wrong all over again. We're really angry about <laughs> yeah. that. One other random note that I think is just is worth keeping an eye on, and this is going to come from out of left field. I apologize, but it's something I've been watching. So Up, Up, Down, Down, which is um, Xavier Woods, who's a WWE superstar's very popular gaming channel on YouTube, has been running tournaments around two specific games, one being WWE 2K18 and the other one being the latest iteration of the UFC game, UFC 3. And those have both been garnering fairly large audiences, both for the live streams as well as the videos themselves and the well into the six figures. Again, I'm not saying this is a budding esport, but it's again showing these like more reality-based games, these games that are more analogs to real-world versions of things have a built-in audience that some other games don't get to come on board with, and people are making good use of those particular games right. as an easy way into esports. Yeah. And the fact that he can have... And obviously, there's there's effects in here because these are WWE superstars often participating in these tournaments, so I'm not pretending like this is like UFC 3 is the next big esport, but it continues that trend of like, these are easy ways for these organizations to get into the esports scene while continuing to marketing their core product, and that's a good, healthy way for esports to continue to grow because that is guaranteed budget that will go towards these things, even if the eSport itself within its own ecosystem and confines isn't profitable. But if it can provide amplification of the audience for the core product, it will still be able to find a home. Yeah, and I think that's great. I mean, especially if it's uh, in this way, it's it's very much, I guess you say, kind of grassroots-based, um, being that it's off the gaming channel. And he's not necessarily affiliated with the WWE anymore, correct? He was just... No, he still is. He, in fact, he's officially he owned is. by WWE now. WWE oh, like owns okay, the right stuff up, down, down. Ah, uh, gotcha. Okay, well, they're they're doing it in, a, in an interesting way. Then at least they're not using their mobile game, uh, which is something completely different. <laughs> WWE uh, bejeweled, exactly. Uh, which there's probably a league for that. I, I don't know. I'm not to knock it. I guess bejeweled. Fans. There's some really angry fans right now that are queuing up some emails towards you. They're like the bejeweled world champions, and you are insulting them. It, you know what? I will report you all to bully hunters. <laughs> Got some headphones for you. Love those headphones. All right, let's move on. Let's talk some Overwatch League. So I think I made a comment that we almost made in an entire week without there being drama, and now there has been so much drama since I made that comment that I'm just not going to comment anymore because I don't even need to jinx it. Overwatch League is a walking jinx when it comes to player behavior. Mm -hmm. So it started with Dream Casper. So let's talk a little bit about this situation. This is the older of the situations since we weren't here last week while you were at PAX. 
And this one, <laughs> you know, we've we covered a lot of bases in the Overwatch League behavior department. We've had some we've had some kitty porn. We've had some racial slurs. We've had some homophobic slurs. We're just going full on inappropriate relationship with a minor at this point because you know. Why the hell not, Seven? Let's just like tick all the ridiculous human trash boxes that we get. I this is just it's been a nightmare season for Overwatch PR. Like I can't imagine like at this point uh, with with uh, with Dreamcast where he was kicked from the team and even I, I saw a, a tweet that uh, the maker of his jersey was offering refunds. So you could actually return any jersey. Return your pedophile jerseys here. Yeah, yeah. The FBI, <laughs> you might be on the FBI list now. But uh, yeah, just the fact that uh, it was found out that he was involved with multiple underage girls, even under the age of consent, in, in the states in which they were with, I believe. Yes, uh, is I mean fourteen. <laughs> like, all right, mate. That that's not cool um, you're in college they're not even in high school yet i don't think i need to draw that map for you yeah yeah there's there is acceptable and there is far from it and he was definitely in that realm and it did not take long for boston to drop him it was like announced that he you know the one girl came forward and said i have proof posted some stuff immediately boston had him on the uh he suspended and then the following day within like 24 hours maybe even like 12 hours later nope he's gone peace out like that was it they were just washing their hands of him like as fast as can be i mean yep. he made xqc look like a you know just a god among men just like walking and <laughs> he's the like, future of overwatch league walking on right, water right and ironically he does get uh xqc gets roped in some more drama later uh largely about like around rascal being released but we haven't quite got to that we'll i guess there. i just got in that yeah but yeah this is just uh this is a nightmare a nightmare yep so this 14 year old sends him nudes by the way in california where dreamcasper currently resides uh, the possession of child pornography is a felony um that classifies as child <sighs> pornography the point being, and I don't like, and I've seen some like, to be quite frank, some very obtuse arguments about this. The law is the law. There is no shortage of twenty-one-year-old women who like video games that you could go and try to get nudes from. And I'm not saying that that is a behavior that you should do. But if you're going to have reprehensible behavior, at least keep it out of the realm of felonies. If you're going to do it. Like, you're still probably going to get kicked off the team, and we're still probably going to be on this show talking about you being garbage human being and making fun of you, but at least it'll be within the realm of avoiding a jail sentence. This is... Nate Nanzer has to have the an ulcer the size of Los Angeles at this point, because he's got to lay awake at night just wondering, what ridiculous thing is a fucking player going to do tomorrow that I'm now going to have to go and explain to some mainstream media outlet? They wanted all the mainstream media attention in the world until they realized that it would just be a bunch of articles about how they've brought a bunch of human trash into the league that are doing some of the most ridiculous things in public that you could possibly imagine them doing. And yeah, we're not even halfway through season one. This is rough. This is so rough. I mean... Uh, did 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 Monty say anything about this one? Like, I, I always have to check. <laughs> Does Monty have anything to say? Like, oh well, you know, sometimes our our romances are our romances, or some explain it away comment. No, I don't. I did not check in to see what Monty's words of wisdom I, here. I, I would. I think everybody everybody just kind of faded into the darkness. Like, nope, hands off. Overwatch it. League and everyone associated with it did the Homer into the bushes simultaneously yeah. as soon as this yep. information came out. Nobody's going to touch this one with a ten foot pole. It's uh, yeah. 
Ironically, Richard calling this baby's first esport. I did not read any children children's books that involved the Berenstein Bears inappropriately touching a fourteen year old. So you know it's, it's rough. Yeah, God, this 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 year. I mean, it's been great if you run a podcast. I mean, there's plenty of things to talk about. Unfortunately, you're talking about like we don't get to talk about Overwatch the game so much, and Overwatch is an esport because they're too busy um, uh, uh, throwing uh, us this TMZ kind of. Crap. We, you know, we should have just started basis. TMZ for esports. The content yeah. is flush. Yeah. Yeah. TMZ Overwatch League edition. That's it. That's all you need. You've got enough content there Some most weeks, probably every week. Yes. Including this one. Including this one. Because this week, <laughs> the Dallas Fuel are back in the news because, believe it or not, there's still people left on that team. <laughs> so while we're at it, we might as well release a few more of them. Um, so, yeah. Kai Kai, is that how you say it? I believe so. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so the head coach Kai Kai, who has overseen this disaster, has finally been let go. So we got that going on. But Rascal, who was recently acquired, I believe, at the beginning of stage two from the London Spitfire, um, he won the short straw lottery and got purchased oh, by man. the Dallas Fuel. Apparently, he has a bad attitude about that. Shocker. Um, and now he has been let go, and that has caused. Mm-hmm. A bunch of drama, and as you mentioned, XQC has somehow found himself back into the spotlight a little bit over this particular release as well. And the Dallas Fuel, it's almost like they are like, well, you know what? We're not going to win any freaking games. Mm -hmm. So our new form of marketing is to just make ourselves a soap opera until next season. Well, I think their new form of marketing is just bad PR releases that are kind of... They're like the reality uh, TV of... Kind of crap. So... So first off, when you release a player, um, you really don't have to give an in-depth reason as to why, right? For just PR reasons like, no, he's a great player, it didn't work out, uh, we decided to go ahead and release him. That's all you have to say. Instead, what happened is the Fuel released a statement saying, we had hoped that he would add flexibility to our DPS lineup on the team this season. Unfortunately, his commitment to the team did not meet our expectations, and his unwillingness to communicate with the team while playing in recent matches became a large distraction. Why? Why was this thrown out? And so the way in which they're releasing him uh, and the way in which they obtained him has now become like the, the center of some drama, right? So they supposedly purchased him from the Spitfire without even contacting him, without even talking to him. They just basically talked to uh, Spitfire management. It's like, yep, cool, we want him. Bought him his contract. And so he was forced to play on a team he didn't want to be on or even know that he was playing on until he was already purchased kind of thing. That's supposed, supposedly uh, what the, the story that he is giving in which XQC is also bouncing or uh, backing up. And so... Uh, what I've heard um, and what I've uh, what XQC has, has also said is that um, multiple times throughout matches he would he would talk a lot, but he also he wouldn't follow directions and he wouldn't uh, necessarily follow uh, the plan. He would just kind of go off and do his solo queue thing from time to time, uh, and it was becoming problematic. And supposedly, recently in one of the last matches, he just completely shut down. According to XQC, everybody does the same thing. He's not the only one, but he's in this case he might be just being seen as a little bit of a scapegoat on that. Uh, and, and again, but. If they had just left this to, hey, he wasn't working out, uh, we had, you know, even if they said there were some issues with communications, that's it, uh, or, or styles of play. There you go. There's a polite way of saying it. Style of play did not meet or did not fit in with ours. Uh, then I get it. 
but they chose to be very specific, even calling out like some of the last, like the last match. Uh, there's no need for it. And again, this is almost like this is a PR release. The PR needs media training. I know. <laughs> I it's like you're, you're supposed to do the media training, not right. be the ones in need of media training. And we're talking, look, Team Envy, which is essentially the Dallas Fuel, one of the best, definitely the best North American team in Overwatch, and hands down one of the best teams in Overwatch at one point during Apex, has a grand total at this point, of seven wins in all of Overwatch League. And this is a team that was supposed to be one of the best. They have seen XQC have multiple drama situations in which they have then had to let him go. We have his replacement almost immediately getting suspended (laughs) after being signed to the team. We have Taimu, who's been fined and been complaining about depression. We now get this Kai Kai firing and the Rascal situation. Its fans have been lashing out all over the place. There's been all this drama this week on Reddit with Richard Lewis calling them out for having poor management, which, regardless of how you feel about Richard Lewis, is spot fucking on when you're planning out press releases bashing your players. Like, does anyone remember? Mm -hmm. You know who I feel bad for? Seagull. Get that guy another team. (laughs) Like... Run away, Seagull. Like, find somewhere else to play. Who's going to want to play for the Dallas Fuel next season? Like, when these contracts yeah. expire at the end of this season, run the hell away. Yeah, because he was also talking a little bit about Seagull. And, and just, well, XQC was talking about, like, life after Overwatch League. And, and how, it, it, again, it affects it affected him and Seagull a lot because they were and have been. Big streamers. Uh, big streamers. And yep. now Seagull's had to give up streaming to sit the bench and he's like what do you do now are you just there for the experience like what what is, what is left for him yeah because he had already uh, retired once from the apex squad in order to stream before right. he got brought back into overwatch league right right and so now he's in overwatch league and it's like well what what, what does he do at this point in time and so there's, there's just a lot of problems going on there like they brought in a lot of personalities and streamers and they kind of took uh, some of those things that made those those people well well known or happy, and they took those th- things away and forced them to play on a team or sit the bench. And now there's all these problems going on. And he was even talking about some of the current roster, like things going on with with Mickey and how uh, Mickey just isn't really um, isn't so much of a great diva player. He's he is largely a lot of his success earlier on was actually because he was partnered with Seagull while Seagull was on Diva and things like that. And, and uh, Mickey was on Winston. And so they just, again, it, they, they don't know who to slide into what position. They also don't know who is going to get, uh, I don't know, <laughs> banned from playing at any given time. <laughs> it's just, a, it's, it's a mess. And, you know, and Kai Kai stuff wasn't uh, even really that, uh, I mean, he had done well in terms of uh, earlier in, in terms of coaching them. Uh, but once they transition to transition to the actual Overwatch League, uh, that kind of went away, right? And, and so, again, it's just it's just such a difficult time. I hate to see the fact that the like, coaching is is kind of taking the brunt of it, deservedly so. I mean, that's normally what happens. But I think organizationally, they have a lot of player problems. It's not just coaching. It's yeah, not like, one single player. It's everybody playing together and everybody everybody has a problem i don't know how you can play at your best in a situation like this like it's kind of like a chicken and the egg in the end but like it's not a great situation for the fuel and if i'm overwatch league and i'm nate nanzer and i'm looking at this and i'm going 
is this A, is this ever going to stop? And B, what do I do next season? Like, how do I solve this problem? Are there things in the contract that can get them out of this Dallas fuel situation? Is it worth giving up some of that juicy, juicy franchise money for the fuel to get them out of the Overwatch League? I'd argue maybe. But I think you also have an overall player problem that is not... The Dallas Fuel have clearly been a huge problem, but they are not the only team that is having this problem. And it doesn't seem to be getting any better. You'd think after the first few times that somebody got in trouble for what some people argued as being minor infractions, that you would see the writing on the wall and go, Mm -hmm. okay, I need to get my shit together because even the slightest thing... And no, no, we didn't do that. In fact, we said, you know what? If I'm going to get in trouble for that, I'm going all the fuck out and I'm going to like get nudes from a (laughs) 14-year-old. Like, why? Why are these problems? So, you know what? We've harped on the mayhem a ton for having such a small roster. Maybe this is the reason why they're doing This is the solution. They're like, we can only find six non-garbage human beings. (laughs) That's it. Uh, And maybe that that I can't can't say that they're probably drama-free completely, but uh, they might have shouldered someone accidentally while walking backstage. We don't know. (laughs) We don't know. It's possible. If that's the worst that happens to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they might have actually like like farted and crop-dusted someone, and we just never got the press release for it. But... It's, where's Jacob Wolf when you need him to to find right? these things? Where's our Where's our IHOP uh, <laughs> our IHOP people? Our IHOP source be like, I totally heard them. about Kaguri. She like uh, crop dusted everybody on Shanghai, and <laughs> now they want her off the team. Exactly, but again, it's um yeah, it's rough, and the fact that they're already talking about expanding the league uh means that you you've got to put some kind of reins on on Dallas. I don't think getting rid of Dallas is the thing, but I could easily see that they they may do a thing where they this year allow people to especially with the expansion allow people to adjust rosters even more and maybe give Dallas an out to dump some people, right? Like that everybody. may be what we see. We may see that, right? Cuz they they have adjusted somewhat of like the timings and and how long uh, they they just may play where the, where it's it's still the first year kind of thing and make some adjustments. Well, I mean they've been making now. adjustments to like playoff format as things have gone on. So there's clearly right, right. a there's clearly an appetite for flexibility here, and I think mm-hmm. it is a good thing. I question, and this is a separate topic for another show. I question the legitimacy of of expansion at this point, just given the quality of play at the lower levels, and if there are enough other good players out there to put together some quality teams. When I look at the bottom of the tables and you look at your Florida Mayhems, you look at your Shanghai Dragons, like, is there enough quality players out there to make this the addition of two or three more teams good worth it? Conversation for another time, but like, it's, it's just something that's interesting. I think so. I think what happens is the first year you build a team, that team doesn't work out and there's really no way of correcting it yet. Right. And so I think next year will be a more telltale situation. I don't think there's a uh, there's not enough good Overwatch players out there. I don't think that's a problem that they need to really, really work out. It's just how do you discover them? How do you get them integrated into teams? And and how do you start building better teams? Uh, but yeah, again, another discussion. But I I don't think that's a problem. I think expansion could be a good thing, um, but they do need to figure out <laughs> this garbage human being and the constant dumpster fires that are happening every single week. Uh, on uh, do do we remember would they have this like in their contract where they could follow people around uh, and make a reality show essentially around Overwatch League players I was like built into their contract (laughs) don't want that right now now it's almost like they may just implement that to use big brother type (laughs) (laughs) ways of following people to make sure that they're not doing awful 
human being stuff. Well, uh, at least yeah. we got the behind-the-scenes camera stuff on All Access after all the shouldering happened, because nobody wanted to see the shouldering stuff play out no, on I thought television. you were going on another Dreamcaster behind-the-scenes nope, camera nope, stuff. Nope, nope, nobody nope. Wa- no, I'm not, I'm, not that, nope. I'm not that bad of a human. That's Creeper. Yep. All right, nope, moving on. Nope. Nobody wants to see the To Catch a Predator, the Overwatch League edition. <laughs> Chris Hansen pops out of a, from behind the stage. He's a new Bondi, and he pops out, and he goes, I see you, Dream Casper. Oh, Put geez. those news back. This show. This show is awful. <laughs> garbage oh, podcast. This is a garbage <laughs> podcast by garbage humans, but you know what? It's okay. That makes us less hypocrites, I guess, or more hypocrites. I can't quite tell. Moving on, a couple other quick notes on the Overwatch League. Specifically, um, French TV rights have been secured, and this is an expansion of an existing deal that Blizzard signed back in October with AB Group in France for the uh, TV broadcasting rights to French-speaking Europe for other franchises like Hearthstone, Call of Duty, and World of Warcraft. But this is a paid television deal, so this is not Mm -hmm. an online streaming deal, but more of a closed-circuit pay-per-view type situation. So a little different than what we're getting in the U.S., but more revenue. Like, as much as is we focus on the U.S. rights and we harp a lot on the Twitch deal and it kind of being like the de facto and not super exciting way to sell your broadcast rights to esports. They have, including, you know, Riot has done this as well, has done a better job securing more traditional TV broadcast rights outside of the U.S. Mm-hmm. Well, the one thing I did want to kind of point out with this one, it was something that Nate and Andrew had said, which is uh, basically saying that, um, I, th- I think it was the Huffington Post back in January, he mentioned that esports is very much a digital well, it's very much digital and, and native content. Uh, so it's basically, uh, you know, you're, you're going to be watching it from a computer or mobile device, whatever maybe. It's not so much as a TV thing yet. And that's what they're wanting to do is put all, a lot of their effort into getting that right first before they move into tele- television. But he was he said, you know, television can, television can play an interesting role, particularly internationally, where there are markets like Brazil uh, in which broadband internet penetration isn't the same as it is in a place like South Korea. So a television deal could help them largely in a comp- in a country like Brazil. Um, and so where there, there are countries in which it's, it's kind of flipped, right? Esports is more of a television and less of a digital native. Uh, and so it is, uh, it's just a, an interesting way of looking. I guess I've never really thought of it in that term. I think we've always talked about how important television is to grow the esports audience. Yep. But I never really thought about it in a sense of like, well, there are some countries where broadband isn't a normal thing um i mean i'm not dumb i know that it's out there but i never thought of it in terms of like (laughs) esports growth like the television market is much more core to growing esports in those countries right than it is necessarily like say in north america where people just were were watching it on twitch uh, more so than we would be watching on tv but it may be flipped in some other countries yeah very it's very very good point like not everybody has the level of broadband internet that we have in like South Korea, for example, or here in the U.S. So definitely a good point. Um, speaking of broadcast rights and viewership, uh, interesting notes that Stage 3, for some reason, has been struggling significantly compared to previous stages up to this point in viewership. So obviously Stage 1 started out, and the Stage 1 was a little bit all over the place, but it started out with that massive 350k plus initial viewing that happened and kind of went all over the place. Stage 2, while not ever reaching the peak numbers at Stage 1, it was never going to happen. There was too much curiosity around that initial Stage 1 number for that to be the steady state for the league. But Stage 2 was a very consistently watched, hovering somewhere in the 150 to 200k range, and looking really well. Stage 3 has so far up to this week been consistently below both previous stages. And I'm very curious, like, 
Is it going to get boring and repetitive? Is this see? We didn't talk a lot about the format from a viewership standpoint, but like, at what point does it get a little stale and a little boring and feel like you're just kind of watching the same thing over and over again? Especially when a lot of the stories have already kind of played out, right? Like the mayhem are not great. The Shanghai Dragons may never win. <laughs> you know, like the fuel are a shit show, but that doesn't really play out on, on the stream itself. That is more of like an extracurricular thing, like. Is there worries here? Like, is this is this something that like we should be squinting at? Are we making a mountain out of a molehill? I, I think somewhat. Uh, I mean, you're looking at the stage three kind of picked up right around where the end of stage two dropped off, and it, honestly, you should be more worried about the the change from where stage two or stage one ended and stage two began. Right? There was a a almost point uh, five million people or five hundred thousand people less watching at the start of stage two than at the end of stage one however again you like you mentioned stage one was all over the place if you look at it it peaked at both the first game and the last game but uh so stage two has been a little more steady but also kind of in line or sorry stage three has been more in line with stage two the numbers are less um but it's not as drastic as a change from stage one so it's still within the range of some of the season or sorry stage one matches it hasn't dipped below stage one which is i guess a plus I, I think these these numbers might be another week old, so there could have been it could have been a drop, could have been a pickup. I don't know, um, but I you're you're right that maybe there is something here with the the stages, and maybe that's why we're seeing the format kind of change from stage to stage, or just uh, evolve, I guess you could say, uh, and because there maybe there needs to be um, I don't know it. it more of a differentiator between stages, something different on the line. Maybe not just another map were added into the rotation, but maybe it's a, a completely different series of maps. Or maybe certain players are, or certain characters are locked out on certain stages, right? And so you have more of a, more of a change from a again from a meta standpoint, from a map standpoint, from a format standpoint. Even I, maybe that's what is needed. We we did see some really great matches at the end, and we started seeing like the Sunday games uh, being. A, a, a great from a viewership standpoint, great from a match standpoint. It was very exciting. I think the quality of play got better towards the end of stage two. And so I don't think quality of play is the reason for the drop off. I think it is just, it, maybe it's more of the same. It's not, it, we didn't see a spike at the end of stage two, like we saw at stage one. Right. So you didn't right. see like a huge increase of people watching the finals, but the finals were great. And, and better than stage one finals essentially so i don't know i don't know where it is I'm, I'm sure they know i'm sure they have a ton more data on what's going on i'm sure they've got a lot more ideas um but just looking at this graph it's hard to tell what's causing it but i don't think it's a huge the, like the sky is falling sort of thing i would have been more worried from you know stage one week one to stage one week two that drop was like absurd yeah i mean i mentioned it it I don't know what Overwatch League's take is on that. I'd be interested just for just to ask them, like, that 350k number was strong. And while you can never expect to reach the number that they got on that first, regardless of what it was, the drop-off, as you mentioned, was almost, like, 100% drop-off. Like, we're t- it was, like, half of what we were at before. And that is a pretty large drop-off and is... Mm-hmm. And they'll tell you, and I know the line you'll get. You'll get the PR line, which will be like, oh, we're profitable. We're making all this money from sponsors. But if I'm a sponsor, there's other esports options in the 100K viewers a week. 
the, the other question I have is, when did they start doing the reruns? Because they also started reposting or replaying the, the games live, the matches live. Yeah, that uh, I don't well, know. And, that, that, and that's the challenge here, right? Like, there could be a bunch of VOD numbers that they throw mm-hmm. in there. There could be... Um, now, the stats we're looking at from the Esports Observer are f- including the um, Korean, Maine, and French channels, I believe, is what they have in here. So those are those are the three primarily ways of consuming it, but those are probably also just live viewers. And in the end, like just like it is you know, troublesome keeping track of live television versus DVR television, this is the same kind of scenario. So maybe there's some VOD numbers that look strong. And again, like this is more just like analysis for the sake of analysis. But I am very curious, like how they feel about the numbers. If this is in line, like that, uh, that's a we all expected a big drop from the first week, just because the first week had all this intrigue. But a, a, a near having of that number had to hurt, regardless of mm-hmm. like whether or not you were expecting that. So yeah, we'll see how that all plays out. But. Overwatch League, you know, like we've said before on the show, we have been wrong in a lot of ways about how we thought this first season was going to go. We anticipated this to be a bigger struggle on the production side of things, on the, you know, the organizational side of things, but we never, and it has not been, it has largely been, with a few, you know, hilarious moments here or there, largely been solid from the production standpoint and continues to get better, and a lot of the changes they made to the game going into the Overwatch World Cup that then made their way over to Overwatch League all have turned out really well. What we could never have anticipated is that is nowhere near Nate's biggest problem. Our poor boy, Mr. Nanzer, just has to deal with all the other dramas. That is, in my opinion, a far, far, far worse problem to have to deal with when you're talking about what really matters. Like, you can sit there and say that in general the player base does not care. The player base is not the concern here. If sponsors pull money out of the Overwatch League because of these continued player situations, that is a much, much bigger problem than yeah, our observer yeah. feeds suck. Yeah. I mean, it's not something to be changed with, like, you know, making uniform colors change or an observer angle. It's, uh, it's, uh, it, it's, it's your play. It's your actual players doing stuff, and that's really hard. I mean, we've seen it across even normal. I wouldn't say normal sports. Traditional we've seen sports. It in just traditional sports, uh, in which you know NFL has gone through a giant shit show. NBA went through a shit show. I mean, it, they all have their own. The issues. NFL is dealing with it right now with the whole Colin right. Kaepernick, Donald Trump thing. Like it could be right. pretty brutal. Well, you know what? Trump hasn't jumped in on the Dallas Fuel. He might next if he finds out. If the numbers jump, he probably will do it. I'm biting my tongue here. I've got a garbage human comment I'm going to keep to myself that I'm going to allude to to make myself feel better. (laughs) On that note, before I get myself into any trouble, (laughs) that is going to do it. For this week's show, we're curious your thoughts on this. How have you been enjoying the Overwatch League? Do you feel like it is still interesting to watch? Or is this four-stage format maybe just a little bit too much before we see some major changes? Especially with Brigitte not coming in until stage four. You know, The major meta-shifting thing that I imagine is going to happen is going to be delayed for another stage. So, curious your thoughts on that. If you want to send those to us, you can do that via all our social channels. We are on Twitter at NerfThisCrew and on Facebook and Instagram at NerfThisGG. And if you're just listening to the show for for the first time, you can check us out and subscribe over on iTunes, Overcast, Pocketcast, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, or if RSS is more your jam, you can get that info over at our site, along with show notes at nerfthis.gg. And as always, we appreciate those reviews on iTunes to help people discover us in the show and uh, give us feedback so we know how we're doing. People continue to roll in with those, which is always exciting, so we appreciate that. For those of you who have left it, if you have not... Get on it. We love those, especially if you send us silly written ones. It's like Seven's favorite thing in the world, and he gives me this look every time I (laughs) threaten to have people write silly ones. 
And of course, you can email us with any feedback or commentary at show at nerfthis.gg. Or if you prefer to do it live, you can do that over on our Discord channel at nerfthis.gg slash Discord, where you can chat with us and you can chat with fans of the show, um, as well as uh, some of our back room staff. I'm pretending like we have this like whole staff that makes this shit show happen, but <laughs> it's really just Seven and I and any interns that we sucker into doing it for a couple of weeks with candy, like Sour Patch Kids, bringing it full circle. Anyway, oh, yeah. that's gonna t- really, makes it good in a dark place. Just go, <laughs> go, end it now. End it, end it now. That's gonna do it for this week. We will see everybody next Tuesday for yet another episode of Nerf. Nerf. Nerf.